Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. It's so wonderful to be here in the presence of the Lord. Can we give God a mighty praise offering tonight? And I just want to say thank you. Um, I really love and honor Pastor Tom and Pastor Catherine. Um, what the work you're doing here is absolutely awesome. The spirit of revival is in this place. I believe, I feel it, I sense it every time. You know, sometimes I'm preaching in different places and I sneak up in here. I always say, I could go home tired because I've poured out, but I always say, let's, let's pass by. If, we're ever, if I'm ever around Glory City on Brisbane, I'm always coming through. Sometimes Sunday nights, sometimes you might see me in the back there hiding, but I've been told not to hide. Praise the Lord, which is wonderful. But I always come to just soak in because there's something in this place that really quenches uh, my thirst and really waters me. You know, the Bible says he who waters others will be watered themselves. And there's something here that does that. And I just, I'm just so grateful uh, for your leaders just stewarding this atmosphere and what they're doing here all for years. I mean, the longevity, God bless you. And we just honor and appreciate you as a mom and dad in this nation. Can we appreciate Pastor Catherine and Pastor Tom? Apostolic, prophetic, strong in the prophetic especially. And you have no idea, sometimes I've the same way. I've gleaned a lot out of your ministry. So praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles... I want us to go to I want us to go to uh, Revelation chapter 12. Hallelujah. I'm going to share some testimonies. Uh, the Lord sent me to this nation uh, a few years back and he sent me to this nation for the purpose of revival. My, I feel like my assignment in this house or rather in this nation, uh, is kind of like John the Baptist, to come and prepare the way. Because I believe there's a move of God that is coming. We, we just, we're having little inklings here and there, and God's moving, and wonderful things are happening. But let me tell you, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the things that God has in store for those who love him. There's a move of God that God is about to send on planet Earth. Hallelujah. So I'm going to share a little bit uh, just, just, just what the Lord has been, because this is my first time sharing, so I need to, to really break the ice and share some things that, that the Lord spoke to me about this nation and about Australia being, you know, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. So Revelation chapter 12, uh, I'm just going to bring this uh, prophetic, it's really a prophetic message to help us position ourselves for revival and for this move of God that I believe God is getting ready to bring. So Revelation chapter 12 and uh, verse 1, the Bible says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Now one of the things that happened to me when I was about 14 years old, I've only ever had two open visions, proper open visions in my life. And I prayed for more. But when I was 14 years old, uh, I had both uh, open visions at the age of 14. And, uh, and one of them was, uh, was, was something to do with prayer. And the second vision, I was actually taking to heaven. It was, I did not expect it. 
I mean, no more than I would have been the first person on the moon. I mean, I, I had no idea that that was going to happen. But some things, the Lord began to speak to me uh, in 20, uh, rather in, in, in the early 90s, uh, when I gave my heart to the Lord. The Lord began to speak to me about a coming move of the Holy Spirit, a revival that God was going to release on the earth. You see... I thank God for my mom, and I'm just going to share this just for those who may not know my testimony. My mom, because uh, I was born in a family that is very Catholic, and uh, we were not very uh, Pentecostal or born again, that sort of thing. And, um, and so my, my parents, uh, my dad is a doctor, is a surgeon, and um, actually he was on his way to become a Catholic priest. And, uh, but thank God he saw my mom and changed his mind. Praise God. So he had joined the Holy Ghost Fathers and he was going to become a Catholic priest and, and uh, joined the seminary. And he also wanted to do medicine and all that sort of thing. And then he met my mom. And then at that time, he had just finished being, you know, uh, his internship. And they sent him to a place called Kakamega, which is on the border of Kenya and Uganda. And in those early, this is in the early 80s. I was born in the early 80s. Praise God. And during that time, it was vol- very volatile. And, uh, and so my mom was pregnant with me. I'm the firstborn and I've got a brother and three sisters uh, that follow me and so my mom got pregnant with me and uh, the pregnancy was not easy because my dad was sent into it's a village even to this day it's a village Uh, it was a the hospital there was not very well equipped and all that sort of thing. So my mom's pregnancy, she started having some complications. And she started struggling with the pregnancy to the point whereby my mom was actually admitted in the hospital. And my dad is a doctor, so he understood the seriousness of the situation. But I thank God for praying moms. Hallelujah. My mom did not know Jesus. She was not born again. Nobody had ever shared Jesus with her. But my mom, in that time of need, because she came to a place whereby when they admitted her, they said to her, there's a possibility you may, lo- you may end up losing this child. Or we may need to get rid of the child in order to save you. In those days, they would kind of do things like that. My, have all, she was swollen all over and she, it was starting to affect her organs and all sorts of things were happening. So she was going downhill very quickly. So they admitted her in the hospital, and uh, that night when they turned off the lights and they said, tomorrow morning, we're going to make some hard decisions. That night, my mom began to cry out to God, and she said, and she, she's not born again, but she said, God, if you let me have this child, I will give him to you. If you let me have this child, she started crying out to God. And let me just say this, God heard my mom's prayer because in the morning, the swelling had gone down, her kidneys, which were beginning to get scarred, God just started to reverse everything. They came and checked her and they realized, you know what, something has changed. We think you can carry this pregnancy to full time. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God praise for his goodness. Amen. God took me. At that time, my life was in the hands of God. God had received me at that point in time. And so when, my, when I was born, uh, I, 
because I never knew this story until about 2010. I went back to Kenya to visit my parents and my parents told me this story because my life has always been very weird. Anyone that knows me knows my life has been very strange in terms of God and the supernatural. So I realized because from the day I was born, I don't remember any time in my life where I was not looking for God. I was constantly looking for him, constantly seeking God's face, trying to find God. And see, my family was Catholic, and, and, and so, you know, my, no, there was nobody to lead my mom to Christ. So she wasn't born again, even after that miracle. So they were, they were still walking down that path, and, and they're not coming to that place of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So when I was born, I, I didn't have anybody to tell me about Jesus. But I remember going to kindergarten as a small little boy. You know, the teacher would give us crayons, draw what you want to become when you grow old, and kids would draw you know spider-man and superman and i used to draw little stick man holding a cross and a bible preaching and the teachers used to come to me and say why do you draw what is this and i used to say this is a missionary that's all i knew i said i wanted to become a missionary from the time i was little the hand of god was over my life the hand of god was over my life and so i was looking for him at the age of three, four, five, six, seven years old, I was looking for God. I used to harass the priests. I used to go to mass and I was one of those kids that would stay back. You know, the, everybody would rush in to leave. I wanted to stay back and ask the priests a million questions. Every time they would see me, oh my God, not him again. Because why this, why that? I was, I was that kid. I just wanted to grow in God. I wanted to know more about God. And so, but something was missing in my life. And at the age of 11, I remember at that time Maurice Rulo came to Kenya. How many of you know Maurice Rulo? He went home to be with the Lord. Maurice Rulo brought a big massive tent in Nairobi and set this big tent and started doing this massive crusade and people were getting saved and people were getting healed and my friend, I used to sit next to a young man by the name of Peter and Anthony. These two young men were my best friends and, and Peter's mother, uh, I mean Anthony's mom was born again. And so Anthony's mom took him, picked him up from school and took him to the meeting and, you know, did like what most parents do. You know, you let your kid play on the ground. You know, he's 10 years old, play there, you know, while mom and dad is in the meeting. Praise God, because we don't have kids' church in some of those types of meetings. Amen. And so he was there playing with his toys, watching what was going on, playing. And there was miracles happening. Blind eyes were being opened. People were coming out of wheelchairs. People were getting healed. There was miracles taking place. And he's watching all this. And so the next day, we were in class. And so I remember I'm doing my work. And Peter, Anthony is sitting next to me. Peter was sitting in front of him. And uh, we, we were just doing our work. And the teacher went, left the room. And she went to the bathroom or somewhere. And I remember turning to uh, uh, Anthony, turned to Peter and said and asked him, what did you do yesterday? Like kids do when the teacher goes out of the room. We start talking. And so Anthony asked, uh, asked Peter, what did you do yesterday? And Peter said, well, uh, I mean, uh, P uh, Anthony, Anthony said, yesterday my mom took me to this meeting. And I remember I was sitting there and, and miracles were happening. And I saw this guy come up and he said he was blind and he could see. And this guy was deaf and he could hear. And all these miracles were happening. I was not part of their conversation. I was busy doing my work, but I was ears dropping. I was listening to what they were saying. And let me just say this. Something about what Anthony was saying caused my baby to leap inside of me. 
I knew that I knew in my 11 years of life, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been searching for. And so I remember looking at Anthony as he was, I stopped writing and I was looking while Anthony was describing to Peter what he saw in the meeting. And I, and I, I would love to see the video of the day I got saved because I knew Anthony and Peter for many years and they never preached to me. They never told me about Jesus. But that particular day, Anthony looked at me and he said to me, Jimmy, would you like to give your heart to Jesus? I said, yes, I would like to give my heart to Jesus. And right there in the classroom, he led me in the sinner's prayer, and I gave my heart to Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory be to God. You see, this Bible was never meant to be read outside relationship. Because when you read this outside relationship, you end up with religion. But God wants us to have intimacy. When you read it within relationship, you end up with intimacy with God. You see, I had read my Bible and all I had was religion. But at that time, all of a sudden, I began to understand God in a way that I've never understood God. So I looked at Peter, I looked at Anthony, and I said to Peter and Anthony, I said, thank you for leading me to the Lord. My heart was beating. I remember feeling all kinds of sensations in my body that I never felt before. And I said, to Anthony and Peter said tomorrow we are starting our ministry I am going to be discipling both of you hallelujah you see I already knew the scriptures I read the word you know my little bible with pictures on it but I never really come to that place of of just you know coming into 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 that place of revelation of knowing Christ so I say to them tomorrow we are starting our ministry so the next day we met in the corner of the school I was 11 years old, they were 10 years old. And so we met in the corner of the school and I put three rocks in the corner of the playground. This was our pews. And so we sat down and I began to preach to them. I began to share and mentor them and disciple them. I would open the scriptures and share Jesus with them. I went home and I told my parents, I said, mom and dad, guess what happened? I gave my heart to Jesus. And let me tell you, my parents got mad. They got upset. They thought I'd been brainwashed. They said, you need to get unsaved. You need to get back to what you used to be. They said, don't you know that this is not what we believe in this house? It was hard. Let me tell you, it was difficult. And so I remember coming to my parents. They wanted me to get Jesus out of me and go back to normal because they could not understand what had just happened and so they banned me my parents said we don't want you to talk to your brother or your sisters because we don't want you to infect them with this Jesus thing and so I remember my whole family because we're very strong Catholics let me just say that my great uncle is a bishop in the Catholic church you don't get any more Catholic than that amen and so my whole family began to hear the word that I'd given, I'd gotten saved. And I remember going through persecution. I remember going to my granddad who was in his deathbed going to see him. And my granddad, when he saw me coming, the first thing he, because he was lying there, the first thing he asked me, are you still saved? I said, granddad, yes, I'm still saved. And with all his strength, he turned and he looked the other way. That's the last memory I have of my granddad. Let me just say this. When you say yes to Jesus, sometimes you may face some persecutions. Sometimes you may go through some stuff. And so I went through some of that stuff. When I got saved, I became the white sheep of the family, like I always love to say. Amen. (laughs) I was not the black sheep. I was the white sheep. I was washed in the blood. Glory be to God. So I was put. 
pushed away and they pushed me and, and I remember my aunties and uncles having meetings and so I felt like I was ostracized and disconnected and don't feel sorry for me because in retrospect when I look back that was the best thing that has ever happened to me because it pushed me closer to God. I started praying more than ever before. I started pressing into God like never before. I started growing in the things of God. I would lock myself in my room and I would read my Bible and spend time in the Lord because every time I would leave that place there was always conflict all the time and I was trying to escape the conflict. And so I began to grow my ministry. And I remember when I was 12 years old, one of the biggest bullies in my class gave, God, gave his heart to the Lord. His name was Fred. And Fred was, was, you know, he had been kept back a few years. And so he was like Goliath compared to all of us, you know. And so he used to pick on me. I used to sit in the front. He would sit in the back. And, you know, he used to use the barrel. Remember the tube? I don't know, speed balls, what they call that. And target practice. I needed, I had to learn how to forgive. Amen. And so I, one day he comes up to me and he, and, and, you know, he had been sick all through the, throughout the morning and he, did, he wasn't, you know, the teacher said, just put your head on the desk and go to sleep. And then if you don't get better, we'll call your parents. And so I remember that, that he got up one time when the teacher had gone out to call the nurse because he wasn't getting any better. So the teacher had gone out, he got up and he came up all the way to where I was sitting and he sat next to me and I thought he wanted to start a fight. But then he said to me, Jimmy, could you pray for me? And so he laid. I, I, at first I thought he was trying to start a fight. But I saw his pain and I put my hand on his belly. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. The moment I said the name of Jesus, he was completely, totally healed. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that's the first time I began to see miracles and healings. Now you've got to understand, at this stage, I have not been spirit filled. I don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. And so I lay hands on him. He got saved. And let me tell you, he got, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He became my armor bearer. I'm not a very tall guy. This guy was that big. And he used to carry my Bible. And people used to make fun of me. They would be like, ah, here comes, you know, Jimmy, Noah, and the Ako, whatever they would be mocking me. And he used to say to me, can I go bash him up for you? <laughs> Hallelujah. He was saved, but he wasn't sanctified. Amen. And I used to stop him from going to bash those guys up. He used to say, let me just bash them a little bit. Because <laughs> they were now making fun of him. I said, no, 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 we are Christians. We turn the other cheek. Praise God. Amen. And so I remember we started growing our ministry till we got to about 12. And we were 12 members. I kept growing, putting these rocks in the corner of the field. We got to about 12. And, uh, and then I remember at that time I got to about 14 years old. It took a long time. From the time I was 11 to 14, it took me a long time to grow the team from, from two people to 12 people. And then one day, as my custom was, I used to go home and I would just jump on my bed. This was my custom. I would jump on my bed, throw my bag down, jump on my bed, and I would read a chapter from the Bible before I did anything at all at home. So I remember going home, I jumped on my bed, opened my Bible, and it was Acts chapter 2. And it says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the believers were together in one accord. Suddenly there came a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind. I'm reading this, and as I'm reading this, as God is my witness, there was a wind that began to blow in my room. 
You see, as a Catholic, I knew the Holy Spirit. We used to call him Holy Ghost, as we call him today. And to me, the word ghost scared me. I didn't want to deal with any ghosts. How many of you know, coming from Africa, we, there's demons and evil spirits. And when somebody say, I feel the ghosts in the room, hey, you know. I love Jesus. I love the Father. Thank you. I stayed away from the Holy Ghost. Something about that scared me. So I'm reading, I'm lying there. Suddenly there came a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind. This wind begins to blow in my room and the curtains start to go like this. I remember sitting up thinking, what is going on? And whoo, I got hit right here in the stomach and I fell back. And all of a sudden I felt this heat and I felt this tingling going through me. My lips started quivering. I remember my mom was in the kitchen and she called me. She said, Jimmy, come. She wanted to send me to the shed to get something. I remember trying to get up and walking and I could not walk. I was grabbing things. I had no idea what just happened. All I knew is that what happened to me had something to do with Acts chapter 2. And because I was born again and my parents up to this time had refused to allow me to go to any church other than the Catholic church. So I never knew anything. Amen. There was no God TV in those days or TBN in Africa. There was none of, no Christian television for me to kind of learn and grow. And so I had, I, 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 all I knew is that I had discovered something that nobody on planet earth knew about. That's how naive and sheltered I was. So I remember going to school. And I said to my 12 friends, we were all sitting in a circle and we would share our little lunch. And then, we, I would, 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 and then I would start to share and preach and teach them and, and disciple them in the things of God. So I said to them, I said, guys, last night something happened to me. They said, tell us what happened. I said, I can't tell you. You have to fast for seven days before I tell you. It is so sacred. Hallelujah. I saw the poor kids went without food. We were on... All of us, including me, we could even walk. We got so skinny. We went on a dry fast. We're only having a little bit of biscuit and water per day. Every day they would say to me, tell us, what did you learn? I would say to them, I can't tell you three more days to go. Amen. <laughs> tell us, what did you learn? I can't tell you. We've got another two more days. And we went seven days. Seven days we could not even walk. I remember getting up and almost falling down. No energy. And so I'm waiting. They're waiting. They, finally, on the seventh day, they say to me, tell us what happened. We have gone seven days without food. And you've got to tell us this revelation. So I stood there and I opened my Bible to Acts chapter 2. And I began to read. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, the believers were together in one accord. Suddenly, there came a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind. As I began to, to read this passage, 14 years old, at the corner of the school in the playground, all of a sudden, the same wind that was blowing in my bedroom began to blow in that corner of that school. These kids fell under the power. They were not speaking in tongues. They were roaring in tongues. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then I knew from what holy roller is. They were rolling on the grass. 
They were throwing their legs. Power of God fell upon these kids. And all of a sudden, all these kids who are playing skipping rope, you know, hopscotch and football and playing in, you know, it was lunch break. They started seeing these kids on the grass rolling. They stopped playing. They said, what is going on there? Let's go and see. So the whole school stopped. People started coming close. And the closer they would come, there was actually kind of glory that came down. They started falling under the power of the Holy Spirit. They started getting slain in the spirit. My little 12 disciples got up and it was holy pandemonium chaos. They started laying hands on everybody. Hallelujah. Come out. Receive it. Take it. Jesus. Miracles were beginning to happen. Soon there was 300 kids under the power of the Holy Spirit in the field. And the sun was shaking and vibrating. The whole school, 1,500 or so kids stopped playing. Everybody came to the corner of the school. And they were all getting touched. Soon there was probably 600 kids laying on the grass in that place. And let me just say this. At that time, the teachers who were having their little tea break, coffee break in the staff room they looked out the window and they were like what is going on and they thought there was a big punch-up happening that's what they thought they thought is a brawl happening they're fighting we are seeing a whole massive crowd of in the corner so the teacher on duty you know those days they used to carry canes praise god picked up a bamboo cane and stepped out of the class and he came out and as he was coming out thank god my little disciples they were laying hands and cursing they looked and they saw the teacher coming they disappeared (laughs) hallelujah and so he came and when he stood there he found all these kids some were crying some were shaking he said what is going on here and somebody pointed and said this guy here is responsible pointed at me I was still standing there with my Bible open at Acts chapter 2. I was just watching. What has just happened in this place? He said, this guy is responsible. And so I was arrested myself and two of my accomplices. Hallelujah. We were frog marched to the principal's office to explain what we have just done in the school. You see, the Bible says, watch and pray. Hallelujah. Let me give you some wisdom. You see, the other disciples of mine, they were praying and watching. They saw the teacher come. Come on. <laughs> Those who are closing their eyes, when they open their eyes, you too. You are. We were all taken to the principal's office. And let me just say this, the principal finally brought, came to us, threatened us, and we got caned. I thank God, I've, I've gotten a flogging for Jesus, amen. That is such a blessing. You know, don't get flogged for stealing and smoking and dodging class. No, it's better to be flogged for Jesus, amen. And so we got a flogging, we got sent back to class and you're told, don't ever do this thing again. And so we went back to class, but for one month, the school could not come back to normal. The kids didn't want to play. They wanted to pray. They didn't want to do, they just were catching up and they would start crying and shaking. And all this stuff was happening, even without us having any meetings, because we were banned from having meetings. And so these kids, they will meet together early and they will start to pray in the classrooms. And God was moving in the class. And finally, the principal decided the school was in a mess. We need to deal with these kids. So they pulled me out of the classroom. 
classroom and my two accomplices, and, and they brought us to the principal's office, and they called a PTA meeting, parent-teacher association meeting, brought all the teachers, and they decided, they, said, they warned me, they said, we are going in to deliberate what we're going to do with you. Uh, but I'm warning you, after we come out of here, you may possibly be expelled from school. And so I remember going, and we were, bit, we were asked to sit in this waiting place while they were having their meeting. I remember sitting down with my two friends, and I said to, uh, to them, I read yesterday a scripture. Let me encourage you. And I began to read about Daniel in the lion's den and, and how God closed the mouth of the lions. And I said, let's hold hands and pray. Jesus closed their mouths. We began to pray. We began to intercede. Close their mouths, oh God. And so in that meeting, after an hour and a half had passed, all of a sudden the door flings open. Everybody, the t parents are going to their cars and driving off and teachers going to their classroom. And the principal walked past me and he, looked, and he just said, follow me. So we started following him to his office and he, said, he sat down and he said, sit down. So we sat down. And we were waiting, thinking we were about to be expelled. Something was going to happen. So he looks at me and he takes a big breath and he says, uh, you know, a sigh. And he says, why didn't you tell me what you are really doing? And I was confused by that. I said, what do you mean? He said, when we were in that meeting, I asked every teacher to weigh in on what has been happening in the school. So we can decide whether we're going to keep you or kick you out. He said, the first teacher got up and he said, I don't know whether we should keep them or whether we should expel them. But one thing I can say, that in my classroom, little Fred, who used to dodge class and not turn up for class, he's now been in every class. And little Peter, who used to go and smoke cigarettes in the corner of the school, he's given up smoking. Come on, somebody. And little Johnny that used to cuss me out and be rude, he's, he was the nicest, nicest kid. And little Thomas, who used to beat the other kids and take their lunch, he's now sharing his lunch with them. He said, I don't know whether we should keep these guys or kick them out, but all I can say is my class has changed. Then another teacher got up and he said, I had a parent come and see me. This parent came crying. And this parent, because in Africa, we don't have school for disabled kids. We all go to school together. So this parent had a disabled child who was born with a, with a withered leg. You know, one, one leg was, was twisted. And so this, this parent brought the child to school. And when that child came to school, it, by evening when she came to pick the child, the child was walking perfectly. Totally healed. Hallelujah. And so this, teacher, this parent came in looking, asking the teacher, what happened to my child? I brought my daughter to school and she was born crippled. Now she's walking. What happened? And the teachers couldn't do anything. We don't know, but there's been a strange spiritual thing happening in the school. All these testimonies were coming out. And finally one teacher got up and he started to testify and said, well, I can tell you that before this month, we did those, you know, they used to call them continuous assessment tests. Not the main test, but continuous assessment tests to see where people are at. And he said, I gave them a month exam and, and, and you know, they those, there's some that pass, but there's a lot that normally fail. And he said, you know what? For the first time, those who used to get 20% are now getting 80%, 90%, and 100%. And the teacher said, I cannot, I cannot understand how they went from being, you know, not very smart to, being, to get to a place where they have academic excellence. And the moment the principal heard that, he said, I think this is a good thing. Praise God. <laughs> 
Amen. He looked at me. Hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus praise. Amen. He looked at me and he said to me, go back to your classroom and come back and see me. And we're going to discuss which hall you can use for your meetings. So at the age of 14 years old, I began to minister. And let me tell you, there was 1,200, sometimes 1,300 kids who would come into that hall. There were janitors, there were teachers, and God began to move. We started seeing revival breaking out. And it wasn't just our school. It started spreading in other schools. There was a ripple effect of God's move. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. How many of you know God wants to do it again? I'm believing God for schools. I'm believing God for young people. I'm believing God for there to be another move of the Holy Ghost. I started preaching. So I finished high school. I went through high school and, and I started preaching. I had a team that, that I would start to travel with. You know, by the time I was about uh, 16 years old, the Lord show, uh, appeared to me in a, in a dream. I had a dream and the Lord told me, fast for seven days and then go ask your parents if you can go to another church. And I fasted for seven days. I went to my dad. Usually it would be a fight. And I said, dad, would you allow me to go to another meeting? At that time, actually, it was a Sunday. He was reading the newspaper after church. And so I came to him. That was my seventh day. And I said, Dad, would you allow me to go to a different, to another church, a different church? My dad was just opening the newspaper. And he had just opened the newspaper where there was a gospel crusade. They took a full page advertisement. You know, the you know, miracle healing rally. You know, the blind see, the lame of those I mean, picture of crutches everywhere. And so I was looking at that. My dad was looking at that. And then I said to my dad, Dad, can we go to that meeting? I was waiting for my dad to fight me and attack me, but he, all of a sudden he yelled out to my mom, Lucy, get ready, get the kids ready. Oh, we got in the car and we went to this meeting. And let me tell you, my parents got to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ at the age of 16. My mom ended up getting saved. My sister, my brother, all three sisters got saved. My dad at that time did not give his heart to the Lord, but his heart began to be open to the things of the Spirit of God. The next Sunday, I said to my dad, Dad, I want to go preach. I want to go to another church. My dad said, which church? I realized I did not know which church to go to. And so I said, you just drive me around. If I see a good church, you drop me there. And so my dad put me in the car. So we were driving. And I saw this church at a big banner, Revival Time, in flames. And I said, that looks like a good church. So my dad dropped me there and he drove off and I walked into this church. And so this church is one of those churches. And this is back in the 90s. God was moving in revival power. Let me tell you. God was moving revival power. The service will start at 9 in the morning and go all the way till 3 or 4 p.m. in the evening. And I remember sitting, getting into this building. My knees were shaking. They literally had ashes at the door to, to pull people aside because of the move of God. Some of you may remember in the early 90s, into the mid 90s, there was such a revival, such a move of God during that time. So people were being, people were actually being pulled aside 
inside because as, as they will come into this building, the glory of God was so tangible. Bonky would come into town and a church of hundreds would go into thousands within a weekend. There will be so many people saved and so many people coming into the ministry. And so this particular church, he never wanted a mega church. So he split his church 18 times to keep his congregation small and yet he still had 3,000 people in that congregation. Hallelujah. So I walk in there and the tradition was this. All the newcomers, how many new people are here? Every, those newcomers put up their hand. Then they would say, can we have all the visitors, all the new people, first time visitors, come to the front. Let me tell you, these guys don't mark around. They come, once you've all come to the front, they come and give you the mic, give your testimony. If you're not saved, that's when you're going to get saved. <laughs> and so they were give, we were passing. People were giving testimonies. Yes, I'm saved. Da, da, da. Finally, the microphone comes to me. And I sh- we were all given two, three minutes. So I shared my testimony briefly for three minutes. I said, I'm saved. I, I'm in this school. We have seen God doing this. Da, 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 da. The moment I put the microphone to the next person, I remember the pastor was looking at me and he, he started shaking. So after the service, somebody came to the pastor and said, when that young man was speaking, my deaf ears popped open. Hallelujah. Another person came to the pastor and said, when that young man was speaking, I was partially blind and my eye got healed immediately. That pastor came to me, not knowing me, knowing me just in the spirit. He came to me and he said, would you be free to preach next Sunday? Come on, somebody. So I began to preach. That's how my ministry began. I began to preach. The next Sunday, I did some uh, preach for them. Revival started to break out. Because I believe my, one of the things God's called me to do is to ignite and to prepare people for the, for, for the moves of God. And so God started moving. This pastor, he said, listen, I want you to go to all the 18 churches and you go and you revive them. And started traveling, going to these places, telling them about Jesus. And my team started to grow and my team started to grow. And I'm, I'm just going to share with you now where my coming to Australia is going, how I ended up here. And then we're going to close. Is that all right? Are you, are you blessed tonight? Amen. And so I had a team of 12. And let me tell you, God sent me to the poorest of the poorest of the poorest. The first year of ministry, I was, God would send me to the slum areas. I did not have a lot of finances in those days. And all my team that I worked with me, they were all broke just like me. Amen. And so they used to say to me, every time we'll go do a crusade, because I started doing crusades uh, with the blessing of our church. So... They will say to me, they will say, when you go out, can we, can, could you, could you, you know, because I used to say, tell them, just bring your, make sure you've got bus fare. And when you show up with your bus fare, we will, we would go out, we will do the meeting, and uh, they will always look after our needs as far as accommodation and food. But I used to tell them, bring your bus fare. But then they didn't have any money d- during those days. And I remember coming to, the, to, to, to this particular t- trip. We were invited to go to a place called Kangema. Kangema is crime-ridden. I mean, 
People have closed down businesses and shops because people tend to break in and steal all the time. And so they called me. They said, would you come and do a crusade? We need to see reformation and transformation in our village. It was a village. And so I said, yes, I will come. So I told my team, I said, come, we are going to go and do a crusade in Kangema. And uh, by this time, I had saved up some money. I sent them some money to be able to, re- to hire the platform and the PA system and the lights and all that that, that was needed. So I say to them, uh, so I'd already sent them enough money for, uh, it was Monday right up to Friday. I didn't have money to pay for the crusade till Sunday. Normally we finish on Sunday night, but I only had enough till Friday. So we said, we're going to go. I'll send all my money to pay for the meetings, to hire all the equipment. And so I... My team said to me, we're going to come, but we may not have bus fare. So I said to them, just, you know, you know how we say by faith, you just come, God will provide. Hallelujah. And so they showed up. I was hoping they would get bus fare. So they showed up. And when they showed up, they had no bus fare. And they all come with their bags. About, we were about maybe 14, 12, 13, 14 of us. And we, they all had their bags because we were going for a week. They were all excited at the bus station. And one of them came to me and said, you know, thank, thanks for having, you know, covering for us. And then I'm thinking, I was about to say, I only have enough for myself and for maybe one other person. But the Holy Ghost shut my mouth. And I remember sitting there and thinking, oh my God, we're going to be in trouble because we have no bus fare. You know, in Africa, it's different from Australia. Because in Africa, you, you don't pay and then get a ticket and get in the bus. No, you get in the bus first. As the bus goes, they go around collecting the fare. And woe unto you if you don't have the fare. There's something called fivefold ministry. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> they will pull over, remove you, punch you up. And sometimes they may leave you in the middle of a national park. Have you heard of Savo? Manitas of Savo? Hallelujah. Some of those places, there's lions. Amen. You don't want to get just left on the side of the road. And so we got into this bus and I'm praying all kinds of prayer. Shakanda Bosa. Hide me, Jesus. Make me invisible. Hide us, Lord. You know those kinds of prayers we pray. And so the bus starts going, and I'm praying. I'm sitting there with my interpreter, Pastor Yen. He, and so I'm sitting there, I'm praying. I don't want to look. This is going to be embarrassing. And so this guy, the conductor, once we get out of the city limits and we're on the highway, he gets up and starts collecting fare, giving people ticket, collecting fare, giving people ticket. And he passes me, and I'm just praying. I'm not even looking. I don't want to look. And he goes all the way to the back, and he comes all the way to the front, and he sits down in his front because he sits right next to the door and so he sits there and so I'm sitting there thinking oh my god thank you Jesus thank you Jesus so we get to the place where we are getting to get you know where, where we were going to do the meeting and uh and I haven't paid fair by the way he never asked me so I'm sitting there thinking I better not say anything so I'm getting ready to leave the bus with all my things and pastor Ian says I think we need to confess I told him shut up <laughs> be qu- Amen. I said, this is a miracle from God. He said, we need to confess. I said, let's, okay, if we confess, make sure we get all our bags out first. Get everything, get to our bag, then you confess. Amen. So we got off, thank God, bless Pastor Yen. So, so we get off the bus and he confesses. He says, listen, we didn't pay for, because we knew. We asked him, did you guys pay? No, 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 we, he never charged us. And he looked at me and he came to me and he said, listen. Uh, 
when just before we left, somebody walked up to me and gave me a bunch of money. And he said to me, listen, this is for him, him. And he pointed everybody in our team. I said, show me who he is so I can say thank you. He went back because the guy got in the bus. He went in the bus and he could not find the person. How many of you know God provides? <laughs> Hallelujah. I preached in that crusade. People started getting saved. We saw the mighty move of God. And let me tell you, I used to see financial miracles like that. God would move. We preached and I finished that crusade. And I can tell you some testimonies there. But on our way back, we'd already gotten enough uh, offerings that had been given. And, and uh, you know, in Africa, they'll give you eggs and tomatoes and chickens. I've been given a live chook. Praise God. Amen. As offering. And, and some of those villages when you go there. And so... They had given us a thank God enough to pay for fare to get back. And I remember sitting in the bus on our way back and the Holy Spirit said to me, the place where you dwell has become too small. God said to me, I'm about to send you to another place. And he never told me where. All of a sudden it felt like Kenya had become shrunk and it became so tiny. I felt so constricted. And I went before, as soon as I got home, I went before God. I locked myself in my room. I began to pray. I said, God, where are you sending me? Where are you sending me? I used to have this globe. I would spin it. And I would spin it and I would look, where are you sending me? Lord, is it the U.S.? Is it the U.K.? Where are you sending me? Is it Africa? Is it Hawaii? Praise God. Where are you sending me? Amen. I'm spinning that thing, looking, where are you sending me? I've got family in the U.S. I've got family in the U.K. I have nobody in Australia. And so I'm spinning that thing, spinning the globe, spinning the globe, trying to find out, God, where are you sending me? In Nairobi, there's a forest outside Nairobi called Karura Forest. People go there to fast and pray. At any given time, you would find up to 300 people Praying in those caves. There's huge caverns, huge caves there. And people, that's our prayer mountain. People go there. You will walk past those mouths of those caves. It sounds like, it sounds like a swarm of bees in there. They will be praying and praying and praying and praying. And there was a man in those caves. And let me tell you, there was such an open heaven over this particular forest. God moves in mighty ways. I remember, just to, to, to share one testimony, some criminals stole one car. They carjack, some carjackers stole a car one time. And they were driving, trying to escape. Nairobi, there's a lot of traffic. Terrible traffic. And the police was chasing them. And they came to this forest and they realized they could not get away from the cops so they jumped out of the car ran into the forest the police jumped out of the car ran into the forest chasing these guys and these guys they ran into a clearing with men in white garments angels in this forest where people pray there's such a glory over that place so the criminals come and they see these men in white garments they fall under the power the police comes behind them see these men in white garments they fall under the power of the holy spirit the angel says rise up from this place and go to this address at the edge of this forest gives them an address they are shaking and this man disappears now the police and the criminals they get up and they begin to walk to that to that address they knock on the door this man comes up and they tell this man somebody appeared to us and and told us to come to your address this guy says i am a preacher i'm an evangelist and i know why god sent you to me he preaches the gospel to them and they give their hearts to jesus hallelujah 
There was such an open heaven over that forest. Now in that forest, during that, there was a man there fasting and praying for 40 days. He was doing a 40-day fast for the nation of Kenya because we were in the middle of elections. And so he was praying for Kenya, praying that God would come and restore Kenya. And this guy, as he was praying for the elections that were coming, after 40 days of, of him praying, he got caught up in a vision on his 40th day and he went to heaven. And he was up in heaven because he was a prophet and God would speak to him about the nation. So Jesus was walking with him in heaven in this beautiful path with a garden. And Jesus was telling him, this, is gonna, this person is going to be the next president of Kenya. Pray for this minister. Pray for that cabinet. Pray for this one. Pray for that one. Jesus was giving him some prayer requests and things that he needed to pray. Then finally Jesus stops and turns to him. And he says to him, tell my servant Jimmy. That I'm raising him up and I'm sending him to the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. God does not know this nation as Australia. He knows this nation by its prophetic destiny. He said, tell this young man, Jimmy, that I'm raising him up and I'm sending him to the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. Tell him to tell the people of that land that they have been crying to me for a long time. And they have said, God, why have you forgotten us? You are moving in Brownsville, moving in all this nation, but you have not moved in a significant way in our nation. Tell him to tell them that I am saving the best for last. That I'm about to turn the water into wine. Hallelujah. I'm about to turn the water into wine. Can I have somebody up on the keyboard? I think I'm going to land the plane here. Is it okay? Hallelujah. And so I began to, he starts to get this prophetic word. And as he's getting this prophetic word for the, for the, about the nation of Australia. Australia and what God was going to do in this land. That God was saving the best for last. There was a move of God that God was getting ready to release. God was getting ready to pour out in this great south land of the Holy Spirit. He said, tell them not to cry, not to, not to mourn, not to get to a place where they're discouraged. Because he's saving the best for last. And it may feel like we have been left behind. Every one of us, we have gotten on planes and gone to Brownsville. We've gone to Toronto. We've gone to the Smithton Outpouring, to, to the Bay of the Holy Spirit. We've, we've gone to Lakeland. We've, we've gone to the UK. Some of us, we've gone to Africa with Bonky, with 8 million people in attendance. And we've seen God moving in this land. But many of us, it's been a cry of our heart. When, God, are you going to do something for Australia? And the Lord said, tell them that I'm getting ready to turn the water into wine. I am saving the best for last. Then Jesus gives him my phone number. In the vision, he comes out of the vision. He's written down my phone number. He walks out of the cave and he goes and he calls me. I'm at home praying with the globe. Lord, where are you sending me? Where are you sending me? The phone rings. I pick up the phone. This guy says to me, I'm Prophet Samuel. I have never seen or heard. I've only ever talked to this guy once. He rings me and he says, I'm Prophet Samuel. He says, God has spoken to me to give you a prophetic word. And I thought it was one of the young kids in church playing a prank on me. 
So I wasn't really forthcoming or ready to receive. So he ignored me and he began to prophesy. He said, five years ago, this and this and this happened in your life. I said, that's right. He said, four years ago, this and this happened in your life. I said, that's right. Three years ago, this and this happened in your life. I said, that's right. Two years ago, this and this happened. He prophesied five years, told me names, dates, places. I mean, there was no way you could have doubted him. And then he said to me, I am seeing you in a vision right now. You are in this lounge room. And he started describing the couch and everything. And he said, you're not very tall. Hallelujah. He said, you're wearing shorts and you're wearing a red shirt. And he told me what was written on my shirt. I said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. (laughs) He said, before the year is out, God is going to open the door for you to go to that land. And he says, everywhere you go, God is going to begin to ignite the flames of revival. He said, everywhere I send you, you will get people hungry for a move of God. They will become dissatisfied with the status quo. They will say, God, there's got to be more. Give us more. Release more into our lives. And let me just say this. There's something that God is getting ready to do in this land and in this nation. There is a move of God that is imminent. And we need to begin to prepare ourselves for the move of the spirit of the living God. I believe there's a revival that is coming. That is an international move of the spirit of God. He is saving the best for last. Hallelujah. And so God said to me, you call them. You call them. Let them come and dedicate themselves. If they will put up their hands and say, God, if you can use anybody, you can use me. He said, recruit me, raise me up. And enter mommy that will take back the territory that the enemy has stolen. And God is raising up an end time mommy. Let me tell you, this house is marked for revival. It is a spiritual boot camp. It is a place where you're prepared on how to host and carry the presence of God. Because God wants to touch this nation. He wants to touch this nation. If you're watching this and you don't know Jesus. And I know there's a lot of people who are watching from home and watching from around the world. I just want to encourage you. This is your opportunity for you to believe God for revival in your nation. This is your opportunity for you to to give your heart to Jesus and to come to that place of salvation. It all begins with relationship with Christ. So if you're watching me right now, if you're here as well, and you don't know Jesus, let me say this, God forbid, but if you are to die today, if you're not 100% sure you're going to make it to heaven, I want you to put up your hand. I'm gonna, I, want, I want you to make sure. Because that means you don't have the assurance of salvation. Anyone who's truly born again has assurance of salvation. But if you're walking around, you're not 100% sure. If I was to go today, I don't know whether I'm going to make it. If that is you, I'm going to take this. I just want to give you an opportunity to get right with God. Whether you're a backslider, maybe your life is not where it should be with the Lord. But you're saying, man of God, pray for me. I want to rededicate my life. I want to get to that place where God can use me again. If that's you, let me see your hand. And I want you to type in the comment section, those of you who are watching this 
on your different medias, YouTube, Facebook. Just type out and let us know that you, you, have, you, you are saying, man of God, include me in your prayer. Just let us know. Pray for me. I am one of them. I want to give my heart to the Lord. I want to be counted in the army. Just let us know and somebody's going to connect with you. Is there anybody here like that? Just wave your hand at me. Anyone that may have just ended up coming that you're saying, I want to get right with God. I want us to say this prayer just in concert to support those people who are studying. Because I know there's a lot of people at home who are believing God. They want to get a touch from God. I want us to say this prayer. And what those of you who are watching, say this prayer after me. This is a prayer of invitation. It's you coming to that place saying, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want you to change my life. I want you to save me. But not just that. But I want you to also use me. I want you to say, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Write my name in the book of life. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe you're coming back again. Thank you. For saving my soul. For writing my name. In the book of life. For washing away my sins. With your precious blood. And because you died for me. Help me live for you. All the days of my life. In Jesus mighty name. Somebody shout amen. Now if you pray.